Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. And I want you to do one more thing with me. Would you just, just close your eyes where you are right now? Close your eyes. Many years ago, God showed me that vision is the art of seeing the invisible. Vision is what we see when our eyes are closed. Now, with your eyes closed, the Bible says that if God be for you, who or what can be against you? If God be for you, who or what can be against you? So with your eyes closed, knowing that God is for you, God is with you, I want you in your mind's eye, go forward five years, five years, you're walking with God. His favor is upon you. What does your life look like in five years? If you're single, maybe it's married. If you're married, maybe it's children. If you've got children, maybe it's a bigger house like we heard today. Maybe it's business flourishing. Maybe it's I'm serving God. Maybe I'm preaching. Maybe I prayed for someone and they got up out of a wheelchair. What, what are you believing God for? I've got my own salon. I've got... What do you see? What do you see? Amen. Amen. You can open your eyes. The title of my message tonight is Mind Sight. Mind Sight. I want you to come with me in your Bibles to the book of Judges chapter 6. I'm going to be reading from the New King James translation. Same one Jesus used. Same one Jesus used. New King James. All right. Ready? Judges chapter 6 verse 1 says, Then the children of Israel did evil. Everyone say evil. Get, get, get your, your little pinky and put it right by the... Say evil. Say laser. Say hot magma. <laughs> Children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. <laughs> so the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. Evil never does as good as... No matter what Satan tries to dress it up as and mark it as and promise with it, it will never do you good. The hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites, the children of Israel, made for themselves the dens, the caves, strongholds which are in the mountains. Dens, caves, strongholds in the mountains. So it was whenever Israel had sown. Midianites would come up, also Amalekites, and the people of the east would come up against them that encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza, and they'd leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox or donkey. And the Bible says they'd come up as numerous as locusts and they'd enter the land to devour it and they'd destroy it. And so there was no sustenance for Israel. And Israel cried out to God and God sent a prophet saying, you know, if you get your life right first, then all these other things will be added unto you. But until you get your life right, all these things are going to be a mess. Now go down to verse 11. Verse 11, now the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, 
which belonged to Joash the Abizurite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. What I love about this is, just for time's sake, we didn't read the preceding verses, the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, and now we see angelic activity. I want you to know that the only prayer God cannot answer is the one that's never prayed. The, the devil doesn't fear, uh, he doesn't fear a, a, a cool church, he doesn't feel a slick church, a clever marketing church, doesn't really worry, doesn't, doesn't, even, doesn't even fear a church with a great foyer and a cafe and high shirt, he doesn't fear that. But what terrifies the devil is a praying church. What ter- because a praying church binds demons and releases angels. So the angel of the Lord comes, sits under a temperance tree in the land that, that was belonging to uh, Ophrah while uh, Joash, the Abiezurite, has a son called Gideon and Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press. And the angel of the Lord, after watching, after observing him, speaks to him, says, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Hello. And where are all these miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But no, no, no. Now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Looks like they're on two separate pages. And then it goes on that Gideon and, and the angel have a discourse, and the angel wins in the end. And if you know the story, Gideon rises up and becomes a mighty deliverer and becomes a great judge and a great champion and brings breakthrough. Just for, for time's sake, uh, I want to bring three thoughts uh, out, out, of, out of this passage uh, for you. The first one is uh, we need to, to allow heaven to correct our mindset. So point number one is see heavenly corrected. See heavenly corrected. When the angel says to Gideon, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. The the angel is sitting under a terebinth tree. He's watching Gideon. Everybody else is in their dens. They're in their caves. They're in in their hideouts. They've gone underground. They're, They're hidden. Gideon has, he's dragging wheat from the field and he's put it in a wine press. You can say, well, he's hiding in a wine press. Sure, maybe he's hiding in a wine press, but he's in a wine press and he's threshing the wheat in a wine press. He's the only guy in the entire village doing something. And the angel is like, man, these are, this is Israel? These are the people with the promises of God? And they're, they're freaking hiding? They're hiding from Newsom? They've allowed a tyrannical government to shut down life and business and village and keep raising taxes and inflation and steal everything from them. Look at this guy. So the angel comes to him and says, oh, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. Gideon responds and says, 
you know, the, he says, the Lord is with you. He says, God is with, are you kidding me? Look around. I don't see God with, right now Gideon is getting a mind sight adjustment. A mind sight adjustment. The angel goes on and says, Gideon, go in this might of yours, have I not sent you? And then Gideon responds back and says, who am I? Who am I that I should go? I'm the least in my father's house. And in my father's house, my father's house is the least in all the clans. And our clan is the weakest in all the tribes. I think you got the wrong guy. Because in his mind sight, he saw himself as a victim. The angel said, you're going to defeat the Midianites like they're one man. You are going to bring down, you're going to end the tyranny, you're going to end the oppression, you're going to end the devastation, you're going to defeat the entire Midianites because God is with you. You, in your mind sight, see yourself as a victim, but heaven sees you as a victor. One of the greatest things that can happen in the house of God is you get a mind sight adjustment. The greatest, the greatest accomplishment that I can make as a preacher is that when you walk out those doors, you walk out no longer seeing you in your, that you see yourself from a heavenly corrected posture, from a heavenly corrected perspective. Because every single one of us are surrounded by the excuses, the failures, the disappointments, the naysayers, the doom and gloom spreaders and speakers, all the negative Nancys around us to remind us of our flaws, of our faults. We make enough mistakes and after a while you make a few mistakes, you begin to believe your mistakes. You begin to believe your failure. I remember when they said to Thomas Thomas Edison, how does it feel to fail a thousand times before you finally he got it right with the light bulb. And he said, failed? Who told you I failed? This world took it over a thousand times. He said, no. It was just a 1,001 step process. <laughs> a mindset adjustment. This is really important. Uh, and I was sharing this a couple of weeks ago with, 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 with the stat. Um, I got saved on a beach. For those of you that don't know the story, I got saved on a beach. My dad was an atheist. So, so, so this, this book, and the reason that I brought it in my box is because my last one I took out of the box and left in my bag. And then, you know, on the bag, it came, and then a page fell out, and then I lost the book of Philippians. And I love Philippians. <laughs> And literally, I thought, you know what, I'll just, you know what, I'll just keep, and if I need Philippians, I'll pull it up on my phone. But it was like Philippians, you know, looked at me and said, we can't go on together. Which was, oh, no, I didn't say that. But anyway, you know, I just, kind of, I just kind of felt like I was, I couldn't just keep the Bible without the book. It felt like something, like one of the kids, one of the kids fell out on the freeway. I thought, I couldn't do that. I've got to go back. I've got to go back. So I've got a new Bible and I'm carrying around. My, I love the Bible. The Bible is incredible. I love the Bible. So I got saved on a beach, fell in love with the Bible. What I love about the Bible is it has kicked my posterior every freaking time I read it. But can I tell you, you know what I needed every time I needed? 
right in the, it, it got rid of my excuses, my lame-o. It, I'm telling you, it messes. It, if you're reading the Bible, it's not messing with you. Maybe just have a check that it's not the Book of Mormon or a Watchtower public, because the Bible will do that to you. So we, I, I get saved on a beach. I end up in Bible school. At the end of Bible school, they sent me to New Zealand. I don't know what I did wrong, but that's what they did. They sent me to New Zealand. So I'm in New, I'm in New Zealand, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, you know, just, just trying to figure out this whole ministry and serving God. I love God, and, and, and everything, everything was a life lesson. And one of the stories I was telling our staff, and this is really important, was we lived in a, in, in South Auckland, but they didn't say South; they said South. Like it's got an F in there. And we didn't have a youth group. It was a youth group. Oh, yeah. Oh, you fellas, I got a youth group, eh? Oh, you're from South Auckland, bro. And that's how they talk. And so anyway, so I was in South Auckland running a youth group. And, uh, and in my youth group, I had, a, I had one of my leaders. He was, he was, he was uh, doing his MBA, brilliant accountant. And, uh, and he came and he told me a story. We, we, we lived in, it was low, it was really low socioeconomic. We had um, uh, one of the highest crimes and the highest levels of poverty and abuse in, in, it wasn't a very beautiful place to live, even though New Zealand's a beautiful country. It was high crime, uh, very, very poor, lots of poverty. You know, I think it was like 28% of the, the city was on welfare, some form of welfare. It was just, you know, poverty. And I remember Daniel, who was one of my leaders, who was doing the MBA in accountancy degree, came and told me a story where uh, our local mall, which wasn't very good, our local mall was opening a Barker's restaurant, uh, restaurant, Barker's menswear, excuse me, Barker's menswear. Barker's was the, the New Zealand equivalent of Country Road. For those who are, you know, under 45, you probably don't know what Country Road is, but Country Road used to be a high-end kind of clothing line. And so, so this, was, this was a high-end clothing line. They were opening one, and we were pretty excited. They were opening one in Manukau City. But if I was honest with you, I'm like, oh, really? In Manukau? And anyway, about three months had passed, and my, my, one of my youth leaders, Daniel, told me how they'd been struggling to get somebody to manage the store. So the owner of the store, who, who had had three months since they opened, but did not have a manager, was was kind of losing money and not having great customer uh, service or support or sales. And so uh, he hired a, cons a consultant to say, how on earth do I, do I find a, a good manager? Because I've interviewed a dozen people and none of them were any good. And so the consultant looked at everything and said, oh, it's very, very simple. He says, this is what you need to do. He says, you just need to change your salary. The salary's all wrong. And this is, this is going back uh, 20, 28 years, and the salary was $60,000 a year 28 years ago. It's probably, you know, that would be 120, 130,000 now. So it was a decent, it was a really good salary. I, I was making 18,000. So I'm like, shoot, I'd, I'd anyway. So. <laughs> And so the, the owner of the store says, oh, you don't understand. He goes, uh, you know, it, it costs me more to fit out. 
I had to pay the rent in advance and then every month because I don't have a manager, we've got people sitting there doing nothing and I've had to pay salaries and stuff. You know, he goes, I, 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 I've, I can't increase the salary. And the consultant said, oh, no, no, I don't mean increase it, I mean decrease it. And he said, well, no, no, I, I, you know, I can't, no, no, you, you, I don't think you, I, I need a manager full time, I need a full time manager. And the consultant says, yep, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, full-time manager. He goes, well, I can't. He goes, no, no, lower the salary, full-time. He goes, no, well, but I can't. Like, I need someone who's got, like, experience and who's got a degree in, in store management and marketing and can build leaders and teams. He says, oh, no, no, leave all the requirements the same. Leave all the skill sets the same. Leave the hours the same, but just drop the salary from 60000 down to 35000 The owner of the store says, you must be mad. He said, for three months, I've been advertising, advertising, haven't interviewed one person to take the job, and you're telling me what I ought to do is I ought to lower the salary from 60000 to 35000 but leave all the hours, all the skills, all the requirements, all of that the same. He's like, exactly. He says, because this is South Auckland. He says, South Auckland, when somebody reads $60,000, they disqualify themselves before they even apply because they look at that and because it's low socioeconomic, they have become conditioned to their culture and environment. They will think, what's the point of submitting my resume? What's the point of submitting an application? Somebody far more qualified. I don't even know if I'm a $60,000 a year. He says, but you lower it to $35,000 and all of a sudden the people think, well, hang on. I actually think I am a $35,000. I'm not a 60, but I am. a." And so he did that. They had over 124 applications. More than a dozen people that he interviewed were suitable and they got a manager. Whether you realize it or not, the condition of your life is determined by your mindset. The greatest thing that can happen in the house of God is a thing called repentance. I don't know. I don't know. Why the, the woke preachers have a hard time with repentance? The greatest gift is repentance. One of the meanings of repent means you can turn around and go the right direction. I was going the wrong way. and But the actual word repent comes from the, the a Greek word, metanoia. It's two words combined. Meta, metamorphosis to change. Noia, thinking. Change the way you think. Paul says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, Brethren, I beseech thee by the mercies of God that you offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And don't be conformed. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but rather be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, that perfect, that acceptable will of God. The house of God is the house of transformation. In this house, your life will be transformed. You will notice that your life is transformed because your thinking is transformed. The, the, the world has death thoughts. It has stinking thinking. But when you begin to line up with the Word of God, all of a sudden you come into heavenly thinking. God says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Good thoughts, not evil thoughts, to give you a future and a hope. Now understand, God does not... 
The Bible does not say that God thinks thoughts about you only. I know the thoughts that I think toward. It doesn't say I know the thoughts I think about you. I know the thoughts I think about Jürgen. <laughs> no, 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 no. He doesn't think thoughts about. He thinks thoughts toward. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, God is broadcasting thoughts toward you, toward mankind. He's thinking thoughts. What kind of thoughts? I'm glad you asked. Good thoughts, not evil. Why? To give you a future and a hope. The problem is we, 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 we rebuttal his thoughts. We reject his thoughts. Gideon, you mighty, I'm not a mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you. Yeah, if God is with us, then how come you're going to rise up and defeat the Mennonites as one man? Have I not sent you? Who am I that I should? I'm the least of my. We continually have a Will you just submit? Will you just surrender? It is impossible for God to lie. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. I dare you. I dare you. Just read this just one day and begin to believe everything you read. Just begin to watch what happens to your life. I'm not smarter. I'm not more brilliant. I just made a decision that what God says, I'm just going to start believing it and see what happens. Watch what happens if you let a heavenly correction take place. Somebody say amen. Oh no, i got two points in five minutes. Man, it's like we've got a speed clock. The second thing that we notice in Gideon's story is what I call see-speak. That we speak out of what we see in our mind. The angel says, Gideon, you mighty man of valor, God is with you. He says, if God is with us, where are all these miracles? Where are come this is? The Bible says that death and life is in the power of the tongue. If death and life is in, the Bible says, death and life is in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Your mouth is a fruit producer. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. All words are spirit, but not all words are life. Your mouth produces the fruit of your life. In this house, we want you not just to have an adjustment in your mind sight, but we want you to begin to speak differently. Speaking is very, very important. The Bible says that Jesus spoke to the fig tree. Jesus said to, to the disciples, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be thou removed. He didn't say you can pray to God. He says you can say to this mountain. Jesus rebuked the wind and rebuked the waves and immediately they were still. There's a power in speaking. That power is very, very real because when you were in the third grade and in the fourth grade, uh, they, they, they did a thing called a spelling bee. How many people remember spelling bees? And so, you know, beautiful Denise, they might call Denise up on the stage and she would have been, she's so beautiful now. Can you imagine her in the fourth grade? Oh my gosh. 
cute with a beautiful voice. And so they're like, no, Denise, you're, you're, not, you're not doing the spelling. You've got to sing it. If I was a teacher, that's what I would have done. I would have had Denise sing this, this, the word. But, you know, but you, you get up there, they get you up there on the stage, and, and your word is hypotenuse. Hypotenuse. You know, like, oh, what? Is that like a hippopotamus? And you're like, H-Y-P. And, and what, what do you have to do with the word? you got to, yeah, but what's the goal though? What are you trying to do? You're trying to spell it. Trying to spell it. Did you know that every word has a spell? Every word has a spell. What does a witch do when they put a hex on somebody? They put a spell. Why do you think we call it spelling? Death and life is in the, the word gospel. Go and preach the go- gospel. The word gospel comes from the old English God spell. Every single one of us are under a spell. Every single one of us live under the power of words. You're useless. You're no good. Why can't you be more? You'll never measure up. You know what I mean? Every single one of us live under words. We live under a spell. When you come into this house, Jesus has commanded us to preach the God spell, which breaks every other spell. In this house, in this house, in this city, in El Cajon, on the corner of 2nd and Broadway, we're going to be preaching the God spell that breaks every demonic spell, breaks every lying spell, breaks every limiting spell, breaks every demonic spell, breaks every hell spell to bring people under a God spell. The God spell says you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. The God spell says greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. So if every word has a spell, what do we call it? What do we call it when we put a whole lot of words together and then put a period at the end? What's that called? What do you do if you get caught committing a crime and you go before a judge? Sentence. A whole lot of words create a sentence. It's amazing how many people, they get invited into the house of God, they get invited into church I've I got to be honest, I, I, I struggle with religion. I really don't know how to do religion. I don't know how to, I don't like a religious spirit. And what I mean by that is a religious spirit is where it's all about an external. <laughs> Greetings and salutations, brethren. Hey, pastor, how are you? Blessed and highly favored. I, I, don't, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do real. Because people walk in. And we better have some power here. We better not just have facade, have pretend. Because people walk in and they have a sentence. It wasn't just one word. It was many words. My beautiful, my Leanne, when she was in the fourth grade, she's, she, she'll tell you today, she's, math is not her strong suit. She was never good at math. And so in math, she daydreamed. She just, she's math. They're doing math. I'm just going to daydream. So she'd look out the window and daydream. And it used to drive her teacher nuts. So this one day he, he asked her, you know, how to do some type of equation and she couldn't do it. So he made her get out of her seat, come down the front, and he put a seat up against, this is before they had whiteboards, it was a chalkboard, 
And so she had to sit in front of the chalkboard and he got chalk and he wrote on the chalkboard D-U-N-C-E, dunce, and then put an arrow, had her sit in the chair and had the whole class chant, dunce, 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 till everybody laughed. She felt so humiliated. I didn't realize this and I'm, I'm ashamed to tell you this. But when we first got married and when we would argue, Pastor Lisa, when we would argue, I don't know why, but it was like there was this energy would come and I'd call her stupid. And, 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 and it was amazing. I'd, I'd call her, yeah, you're, you're stupid. And I'd have this energy that I didn't have. I could call her another name. No, but if I called her that name, there was an energy that I didn't realize it was demonic. And I remember I would just watch her just... And so I thought, ah, oh, I won the argument. I didn't win the argument. All I did was just added another word to the sentence. And then one day God, and you've heard the story, began to deal with me. He began to deal with me and he said, because, um, you know, Leanne and I were fighting. And I thought it was all her because men are stupid. It's funny, but it's true. We're quite thick. And God said to me, um, what kind of a wife do you want? I said, I want a princess. When was the last time you called a princess? Well, when she starts behaving like, and God says it doesn't work like that. He says, before I gave Adam a spouse, I had to teach him the power of his mouth. I brought all the animals to Adam to see what he would call them. Whatever Adam named each creature, that was the persona. That's what they became. Then I put him asleep. Then I pulled out a rib. And then the woman came. And Adam said, flesh of my flesh, bone of my... She shall be called womb man. For she was taken out of man. The first woman came out of man. Every other human has come out of woman since then. I know that there was a, a Matt, Matt Walsh documentary on what is a woman. It's really quite simple. A woman is what the Bible says, a womb man. A man with a womb. Doesn't matter how much makeup and surgery you have, if you don't got a womb, you're not a womb man, are you? Let me show you something else that's not in my notes. And I'm... The Bible says at the end of that day, if you read it, so beautiful. The end of um, chapter 2, it says, And Adam caused, called his wife Eve, called her name Eve, for she was the mother of all the living. She was the mother of all the living. The, the, the Hebrew word that's translated Eve means life giver. Think about that for a minute. Adam, she hasn't given birth yet, but Adam is still, this is before sin. So he's prophetic, he's in the Holy Ghost, he's with God. And he looks and he says, not only will she be called womb man, for she came out of man. He says, but she's life giver. All of life will flow from her. 
So Satan, Jesus calls Satan the evil one. He doesn't say he's an evil person or a bad dude. Jesus calls Satan the evil one. He's the great defiler. He's the great spoiler. Watch what he does. He goes into woman, womb man, who is the life giver. That's the nature of God. She's a life giver. And he goes in and he convinces a generation of young ladies that it's a woman's choice, that it's reproductive rights for you to put to death so that you take on a spirit that you're, instead of being a life giver, you are now baptized into his kingdom as not a life bringer, but a life extinguisher, a death bringer. That's why we cheered when Roe v. Wade was overturned. Now, there's no condemnation for people that have, that have gone through uh, an abortion, but let me tell you, we'll need ministry. We don't throw stones. We use stones to build altars. There are so many people that walk in with a sentence of words spoken over their life. Our job is to change the script, to break the sentence. We break sentences. How many people know that the president has the authority to commute a sentence? The president has the, I know somebody higher than the president. I know somebody who sits on a throne above all the presidents. And he's a God that can, every Sunday, every Wednesday in this house, sentences get, you may have a death sentence. Doctors say this is terminal. You're going to die. Well, come into this house because in this house, there is a power, there is an authority that can commute that sentence and replace it with life and life abundantly. Life and life forevermore. With long life, I will satisfy you. Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. All right, I'm, I'm in big trouble now. I'm way over time. Last one, last one. I promise you, last one is see breakthrough. See breakthrough. If you guys could put up Joshua 6 verse 2. Joshua 6 verse 2. <clears throat> Joshua is standing in front of Jericho. Jericho, Bible scholars say Jericho is a compound. It's a fortress. 40 years ago, God dried up the Red Sea. They heard the Israelites were coming and they heard that God was giving them the land of Canaan. They knew that Jericho was the first stop. So the king of Jericho hired his finest engineers, his finest architects, his finest construction crews. And they fortified a compound that they believed was impregnable, impossible. Bible scholars say that the walls of Jericho were so high and so thick that chariots could race on top. The, the walls were so secure that they built apartments. That's where Rahab lived. They built apartments in the walls. And Joshua stands before Jericho. Uh, it should be Judges, uh, sorry, Joshua 6 verse 2. Joshua 6 verse 2. The book of Joshua, there it is. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, when he's looking, he sees a fortress. God says, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. 
its king and the mighty men of valor. See. What does that mean? What it means is that you can never conquer something that you do not see God has given you authority over. You will never conquer anything that you do not see God has given you. You will remain addicted to alcohol while you, while you see it has power. But as soon as you see that God has given it into your hand, that God has given you authority over it. There is no force in hell that has authority over you. There's no gambling. There's no drug. There's no narcotic. There's no substance. There's no porn. There's no lust. There's no anxiety. There's no fear. There's no insecurity. There's no eating disorder that has authority to remain in your life. But the devil doesn't want people to come into the house of God. He doesn't want the spell to be broken. He doesn't want the sentence to be commuted. He does not want people to see that God has given them authority over every force in hell, over all the power of the enemy. You have authority, you have power, but until you see that God has given you authority, you'll never conquer it. But in this house, the Bible says you are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. In this house, come on somebody, the Bible says that we're overcomers. In this house, you are not brought under the power of anything. Everything is under your feet. Jesus says, Behold, I give you authority and power over all the authority of the devil. You'll crush serpents. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's stand to our feet. I've got one more, one more thought, but I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. I want to pray for people. I want to pray for people. Just lift your hands high to heaven. Father, I thank you right now for the anointing, for the power of God. Father, we declare a shift in the mind sight of people. Just, just let God make a shift. Because right now your mind, and when you see yourself from your mind, when you see yourself, it will be the, the combination, it will be the sum total of the words that have been spoken. The devil saw my beautiful Leanne, one of the one of the most outstanding preachers of the gospel. Her wisdom, I, I do not make any important decisions without running it by Leanne. Her discernment on people, on, I would have employed, literally, I, I would have almost employed the devil a few times. But Leanne's like, something's wrong with them. I'm like, babe, have you seen their resume? Have you seen their qualification? Their spirit's off. Like, what are you doing? Every single time she's been right. Somebody had to break a spell over her life. Somebody had to commute a sentence because the words that even her sisters would speak over her was, oh, we all went to university. We all went to college. We've all got degrees. You're a high school dropout. You married Jürgen at 17 and went into full-time ministry. She, all four of her sisters combined don't equate to the same level of wisdom that rests on Leanne and it messes them. They're like, she gets to speak on what platform? She gets to, why is that? Because she doesn't have a knowledge that comes from men, a wisdom that comes from the world. She has wisdom, knowledge and understanding that comes from a heavenly source because she's not reliant, but she's dependent upon God, her wisdom. 
Father, I thank you for the breaking right now, the breaking of words. What words have been spoken over you? The reason he broke up with you is because I break that lie in Jesus' name. If he sees what God sees, he would have put a ring on your finger, got down on one knee and counted himself the most blessed man on the planet to have an opportunity to be your husband. You break that thing right now. You're not damaged goods. There's nothing wrong with you. You are magnificent. Well, you know, I I, I had to file for bankruptcy because I I guess business is just not my... No, 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 no. You're just learning. Do you know that every every multi-millionaire in Australia has one common denominator? They all went bankrupt at least once. Walt Disney went bankrupt several times before he built Disney. I break the sentence and I break the spell of words of failure, bankruptcy, foreclosure, negative words. You're not a business. You don't have a business. You don't have what it takes. Oh, I hear that. I hear that. I break. There's some men here and Satan is the great disqualifier. And this is what I just heard in the spirit. There are men here and you live under a ceiling of you don't have what it takes. You don't have what, I break that now in Jesus' name. And listen, the devil always works on part truths. In yourself, outside of God, sure. That's why the Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. The Bible says, the apostle Paul speaking, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Without Him, I can do nothing. But with Him, when you're with Him, you step into the all things are possible network. So I break the lie that you don't have what it takes. I break it now because you do, because you have Yeshua. You have Jesus Christ. You have Almighty God. If God be for us, who or what can be, I break that lie right now in Jesus' name. You have what it takes. You step out with God. You go for it. You ask her again. You get up again. The Bible says, though the righteous falls seven times, seven times he rises again. The difference between the righteous and the wicked is the wicked quit, but the righteous have a God God who says, get up, get up off the canvas, get up off the canvas. There's still another round. The bell hasn't rung. Just keep getting up. Sometimes the greatest way to just stick it to the devil is just get back up off the canvas again, square up. That's what I love about Neo in the matrix. He gets knocked down again and he gets up and bleeding from his mouth. And Agent Smith, who's like sin, like the devil, says, I don't understand you can't win. I keep knocking you down, yet you rise. Why? Why would you keep rising when you can't possibly win? And Neo says, because I choose to. I don't want to spoil it, but Neo wins. I know it's a spoiler alert. Keep getting back up. Keep getting back up. Keep getting back up. Keep getting back up. Keep getting. 
Come on, lift your hands. I've got a hand back. Lift your hands, lift your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus. In fact, do this. Put, put, put one hand on, 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 your, on your mind, on your... On your uh, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus, I declare a shift in our mindset. Say these words with me out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, forgive me for seeing myself according to the words that others have spoken. Lord Jesus, I should have known better. You asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? And they said, some say Elijah, some Jeremiah, some John the Baptist. And then I said, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, you're the Christ. Son of the living God. And then Jesus said this, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood hath not revealed this, because flesh and blood cannot reveal, but my Father in heaven. In other words, Peter, you got it right because you see me as my Father sees me. That's the only true source. Right now, Father, we repent of letting the words of men, the opinions of men shape our identity, who we are. You are not who men say you are. You are not what men say you are. And let me just tell you something. You, your, your value is not what others have said your value is. Oh, just, just keep your eyes closed. I, I just feel something in God. If anybody here has been involved in real estate, any realtor will tell you, and Brian, you correct me if I'm wrong, that the seller doesn't really get to determine the sale price. The market determines the sale price. What does that mean? That means that something is only worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. You can say, well, I think my house is worth $20 million. That's awesome, list it. But at the end of the day, the market will determine whether somebody says, yeah, I will exchange 20 million. Something is only worth what something, what somebody's willing to pay for it. What are you worth? You know what you're worth? With your eyes closed, I want you to see the cross. You know who's hanging on the cross? God incarnate, God in flesh. And the people are jeering at him. Come down from the cross, save yourself. He didn't go there to save himself. He came there to purchase you and me. What am I worth? If you ask me, on my worst days, I'll say, oh, I don't think I'm worth much. But it, when I look at the cross, I have to say, I think God made a mistake in the ledger. I couldn't possibly be worth the Prince of Heaven, the Prince of Life, the author of life, coming down and hanging. But real estate tells us something is only worth what someone's willing to pay for it. Don't settle for second best. Don't believe the devil's lies. Don't sell yourself short. Don't sell yourself. Don't compromise your values. The King of kings and Lord of lords died on a cross to make the statement, this is how valuable you are. I 
break that lie. I break that lie. I break the lie that you are less than that. You are, you are the, in all the galaxy, in all the cosmos, you are God's finest treasure. The Bible says, Jesus, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. What was the joy? The joy. You know what joy is? Joy is I may have spent a million dollars, but look at the house we bought. There's no pain in the loss of a million. The joy is in the gain. You know what the joy is? The gain of you. You in heaven, you in eternity, you redeemed from the devil, you free from every chain, every shackle, every addiction, every lie, every body. You, the spell broken, you, the sentence commuted, you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your power. One more time, I know I was leading you in a prayer and then I got sidetracked. Say these words, say, Heavenly Father, today I line my life up with your words. I reject every word that is in conflict and contradiction to what you say. I choose today to believe what your Bible says about my life. And now I'm ready to see my life go to a whole nother level. In Jesus' name, Amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.